the Ghost Goal Podcast. The Premier League returns Friday with a blockbuster clash between Crystal Palace and Arsenal to get things started for the 2022-2023 season. There's money being thrown all over the place by the traditional top six sides as six teams bid for four places in the following season's Champions League and two front runners once again go head to head looking for the league title. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 365. We're here to talk about the Premier League's, quote, top six clubs. You know, some people may take offense to that uh, with recent performances from Manchester United, but there is still a top six. We're here to talk about them. If you missed our relegation pod, that's because uh, the audio got corrupted. So instead, we went to Instagram Live, uh, recorded on Tuesday night. Uh, about the relegation battle and some of the teams that are going to be looking over their shoulder at relegation. And uh, yeah, that's up now on our Instagram live. Go check that out at Ghost Goal Pod for all of our uh, our th- thoughts and feelings and predictions for who's going to get relegated. Javier, how are we doing? You- doing well. So excited for the uh, the kickoff on Friday. Interesting, Did you eat your Wheaties uh, this morning? Did you eat your Wheaties? Oh, I ate them, Alex. Because you, you got a fight on your hand today. I, I do, I do, and I'm ready for it. But little little tidbit about uh, Vieira and Arteta. They actually played against each other um, because, uh, you know, the last year of Vieira's career at Arsenal and Arteta's first year at Everton coincided. So they played against each other a couple times. And last season, you know, Vieira got the best of Arteta with, a, you know, a win and a draw. So we needed a last-minute equalizer, too, at the Emirates to get that draw. So I'm... We have beef with Crystal Palace. Like, I'm um, I'm excited for this game, and I hope you know. I know I I really hope the team shows up. This is going to be a very different lineup to the type of lineup that we put out at the beginning of last season. So, just very excited for that game. So happy to have you know real competitive football back. Yeah. Also, last time you guys opened the season on a Friday night kickoff. Uh, it didn't go so well for you. And that was against a, a, a Brentford team that had just come up from the championship. So we'll see how this one against Crystal Palace goes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I literally cannot wait. And it's actually, I know you're excited for the Friday game. That makes a lot of sense. But it's those Saturday 10 a.m. slash 3 p.m. in the UK. Those kickoffs, that's, ooh, that's the stuff that just gets you going, you know, gets the people going. Uh, yeah, but we've uh, we've already wasted three minutes of the opening of the pod. We've got a ton to talk about. I, I guess we should just do our predictions. We're, we'll start with top four, you know, the much less uh, important thing to predict than the league title. Uh, but there is, you know, some people are trying to make out that there's a, a bit of a race going between the three London clubs. So Javier, tell me, who have you got in your top four this year and why? In my top four, I have... Manchester City and Liverpool. Obviously, everyone has them. And then I have Arsenal, of course, and Tottenham. Is that uh, is that in order? Or are you uh, doing that as well? So Arsenal third and Tottenham fourth? No, I, I think Arsenal probably finish fourth. I think Tottenham finish above Arsenal this season. So I think it. I think City win the league, Liverpool finish second, Spurs finish third, not too far from Liverpool, but still pretty far from Manchester City. And then Arsenal finished slightly behind Spurs and like Chelsea in it right next to us till the end of the season. So that's kind of how I think it's going to go. See, your energy's all wrong here, Javier. You're saying it very like limply, you know. It's, oh, no. I mean, sound, but like it's fact. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, this is what's going to happen. You sound like a limp like... dick in a whorehouse, Javier. You're just walking in like, <laughs> yeah, I think Javier's. Uh, I think Arsenal are going to finish top four. Like, come on, say it with your chest, you know? Get, like, give me a reason to believe it. Because right now, I, I mean, I oh, always. Oh, you want me to give to you delusion. my reasons right now as yeah. to why? Okay. Let's, but like, but I, I'd, have to, I'd have to deep dive into it. But yeah, then that you means. You want to have the talk? Let's have the talk. Okay, Alex. Well. I think, first of all, this summer, Arsenal have done the best business of any team other than Manchester City, obviously, because they brought in Erling Holland and Calvin Phillips and Julian Alvarez. I, 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 I don't think that's I don't think that's quite right. I think a lot of people would disagree with you. You guys have done good business, but not the best business like Tottenham have done better business than you. 
Have they City, though? you already mentioned. What, 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 yeah. How have Tottenham done better business? They haven't brought in a they player of the gone. caliber of like Gabriel Jesus or Zinchenko, both who are like, you know, Manchester City players for the last five years. This is these are players uh, who've won well, a bunch of because, titles. That's because they already have their Gabriel Jesus. They obviously. they brought in like Perisic on a free or like. That's a very good signing. It is, but again, it's like we don't actually know if that's going to be a good signing, and the, and that th- that's not like a. Oh, that's incredible that they went out. He, and did okay, that. come on. Perisic, Perisic played under Conte at Inter. He's a very experienced player. He's not, he doesn't know how to play no in the Premier ask, League. We'll see. No he's probably going to get hurt him, the first game. Yeah, maybe, but he'll okay. still play a decent Yves amount. Bissouma, and, that, that was a great signing. Good that's signing a great signing. Yes. Richarlison, you don't like him. I think that's a great I don't. signing. But, I don't. But, but I, I'd much I rather like have Gabriel as, Jesus than Richarlison. Well, yeah, but Gabriel Jesus isn't going to be asked to be a bench player. Like, if you have Richarlison coming off your bench and you're and a if you ask me, do you team, want Bissouma or Zinchenko? I don't know. I don't know between those two which one I would pick because they're, they're both, you know, well, Zinchenko's much more versatile, you know, the, uh, much more versatile than Bissouma, but Bissouma's but probably Yves, the better midfielder. Yves Bissouma is much better at what he does specifically than Zinchenko is. And I'm not saying that to drag Zinchenko. Like you said, he's much more versatile, which is, you know, an asset in and of itself. I, I just bring that up just to say, don't try to play off like Arsenal did the best business in the league as some sort of, like other than Manchester City, as some sort of undisputed fact. Like, it's very much debatable. And I just need to keep the Arsenal... And I it's not done. Like, I know, I know Arsenal are going to make another, another signing, at least. You know, we're waiting for Torreira to get off the books. Leno just got sold. You know, we've we're loaning out players every single day. And... We need a one or two more players off of our 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 books, and we're going to buy another player. So, I don't think Arsenal are done with business yet. I think we're going to buy a right winger, you know, someone to to back up Saka to to push Saka, and I think we might. Can you see, get Vieira for that? I think he's more uh, a Smithrow Odegaard cover yeah, than but he, he is. He, he plays off the right more. He's left footed and yeah. You know, and he's one. To, he's he's one that like I don't know how good he's going to be. Right. Everyone calls him the Bernardo Silva regen, and I've never seen him play. But if he's anything close to Bernardo Silva, then he's going to be a big asset for the team. You know, he he'll change the way that Arsenal play too, because we we don't. I mean, Smith Rowe is a player more similar to Jack Grealish than he is to you know, someone like Bernardo Silva. So we don't have someone like a Bernardo Silva in our team. And yeah, we need someone like that. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think Arsenal are going to have push on from what they did last season. And, you know, uh, unless there's, I think the biggest thing that threw us off last year was injuries. Right. Um, and when we the had Arsenal our first were the team, only team in the league that had injuries. No, but when we had our first team, we were, you know, one of the best teams in the league, we could play toe to toe with Manchester City. And then Thomas Partey gets injured. And, you know, that 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 was huge for us. We lost him. You know, Lacazette was not scoring any goals. We had to bring in Eddie and Ketty into the side and Mohamed Elneny and still almost made top four with that. So, you know, I know you trash Eddie and Ketia and Mohamed Elneny, but like they're good backup and bit part players they, they they can do they can do a job in something like Europa League next year or this like this coming up season and I mean I okay, think we're gonna have the de- we're gonna have I, the depth agree, and, and with, with like youth to, to be able to play in Europa and not get a bunch of injuries to our first team in the Premier League and then the biggest one that I haven't talked about is William Saliba I mean I think that guy's gonna be a monster this season everyone's gonna find out how good he is because he's gonna play in the Premier League and people are gonna realize how incredibly not only is he just an incredible athlete, he's six foot four, he's you know huge, and he's amazing on the ball, great first touch, can pass a ball 30, 40 yards either direction. He has so much composure, like he's a smart, super smart player. His movement, like there was clips of him like last year playing against PSG. Marseille, I don't think they lost both games against PSG last season. They he kept clean they kept a clean sheet against Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. I mean, this guy's a, a he's a freak. He's a freak of nature defender. I don't know if I, I don't think Arsenal will be able to keep him his entire career. I'm hoping we can. He's only got two years left in his deal, so we're pushing hard to like get him to resign. But I wouldn't be surprised if a big team comes next summer and puts in a 70, 80 million pound bid and we just have to sell him. 
but I think he's that good of a player. So I think he's going to push Arsenal to a tier this season where last year we had, you know, Ben White and Gabriel. Both of them were first, you know, first time playing with each other, ha- having the, you know, that pairing in the league, both of them coming onto the team. And, and I think White did, you know, decently, but he can improve a lot. Gabriel has been improving. Like he was very rash his, his, you know, his first couple of years at Arsenal, but he's been improving a lot, becoming more composed. All these young players that we've been playing now for a few years, they're, they're all growing up. Saka is becoming consistent every game. He's, he's an incredible threat on that right wing. Smith Rowe's become consistent. Whenever he comes on, he was scoring goals until he got, you know, his injury. Even Granite Xhaka, I mean, it's crazy. This is the only way, reason I'll talk about preseason, but like he's been doing things, you know, tricks, flicks, his confidence on the ball right now. He's, he's playing a lot better than he ever really has for Arsenal. I know that's a trick and you're going to be like, ah, you're falling for Granite Xhaka, of course. But I'm when you're but when your team but when your team goes to a level when you bring players like Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus like proven winners who have been on, you know, a consistent someone who's been mentally drilled by Pep Guardiola for five plus years now these players, they're going to try to elevate the rest of the team and bring the team to that level and everyone else is going to want to be as good as these players are. So bringing players like this, like Saliba, you know, uh, even even like depth signings like Marquinhos and Matt Turner. You know who's going to be our backup uh, now that Leno's gone, the uh, U.S. national team keeper. So uh, a lot of these, you know, Marquinhos looks promising too. It's just there's so much good stuff going on at Arsenal, and all the the toxic people are gone. Alex, there's no more Aubameyang. There's all no of more them? Lacazette. All of them. There's no more. Uh, you just they, named Xhaka, Javier. We're He's about to sell Bayerine. Get rid of all of the Wenger players. Yeah, okay, Xhaka is the only one left, Alex. But he's been his captain's been stripped away. We gave it to Odegaard. Odegaard, God, is our captain now, Alex. You know he's the captain of the of the Norwegian national team and of Arsenal now. What a boss! Twenty four years old. Just everyone's young, energetic, hopefully injury free, and we easily get top four this year. <clears throat> <laughs> easily. Oh God, dude! I'm, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed. All right, now that was my thought, Arsenal I, spiel. Now, Alex, I, I, listen. No, 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 Javier, Javier, you don't get to you don't get to go for. Just I don't get to go again. It's unanswered, right. so that you know. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll throw in enough stuff that he will like forget about it and won't come back to it. Like, no, we don't allow that. I, I'm disappointed, Javier. I thought you'd have a better. I thought you'd have a better case for Arsenal. Like, I knew you were going to come in and be like, "Oh, Chelsea, you're going to fall off. Abramovich is gone. Everyone knows that's where you're going to go." But for Arsenal, I thought you'd make a stronger case. And I, I get it. Like, I think Saliba is going to be a, a good addition. I think you, it's not that I completely disagree with everything you say. I, I think you guys, you really should be focusing. Yes, you should be focusing on getting top four. But I think you should be focusing on the Europa League because you've had such a frustrating time with that competition. And let's face it, Arteta needs a big trophy again like the FA Cup in the first half season that he was there that was a good accomplishment and he's lived off that since then but this season he needs more uh, consistency in the performances and he needs a trophy and if he wins the Europa League he will have done something that no other Arsenal manager has ever done before and that's win a European trophy and put Arsenal on the map in Europe so uh, that's something that like I'm, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like shit on you guys by saying you should focus on the Europa League. But I, I really do believe that if you win that trophy and win it handily, that would be far more impressive to me in terms of like Arteta's development as a coach and the, the team's development than, you know, finishing top four barely and uh, and not winning anything. You know, the it's Arsenal Football Club. You guys still want and your fans still want trophies I mean, I think and still we're, we're going to be favorites for Europa League this season unless you know a big team drops out from the Champions League but yeah I mean one one or two always do so you kind of assume that but yeah you, you should be one of the favorites I, I just thought your your main point would be all like based around Gabriel Jesus which I, I think he's going to have an amazing season and I don't think the the golden boot predictions that you're seeing uh, being brought up more and more. I don't think those are outlandish. The problem with that is that 
I think you guys needed one more goal threat. You have some goal threats in the team. Saka. I think is we're going to get one more goal threat. Is what I was trying to say. There's going to yeah, be maybe. a right winger slash striker that we're going to get. Who knows? I mean, that player doesn't seem like obvious at the moment. There's not many available players of like that quality uh, that, that you can really think of. But someone may become available in the next month or so before the window closes. But if it ends up being Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah as the two main striker options for this full season, and you know, remember, there's no more only focusing on the Premier League, which, by the way, you couldn't even finish top four when you had only the Premier League to focus on. Gabriel Jesus is going to be injured for some period of time, a significant period of time. You know, on on the scale of... Uh, who's a player that uh, never misses a game? Give me, give me a... Give me, give me some... Granite Xhaka. Yeah, and that's to your detriment. Sure. On the scale of Granite Xhaka to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin's a 10 is like the most injury-prone player you can think of, uh, then Gabriel Jesus, I want to say, is around like a 7 because he's constantly at Manchester City. The story of his life would be play a couple games for Manchester City, gain form, score a hat-trick, score a brace, play really well, pick up a Alex, little injury you, that keeps him out for a month. do you think I'm crazy to say that I think Eddie Nketiah is going to get like 10 to 12 goals this season? In all competitions? No, that's not crazy. In the Premier League? Uh, if Gabriel Jesus is injured for a significant right, amount exactly, of time, Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's he going to play a lot of games. That, and That he's still gonna... wouldn't be enough. That still wouldn't be enough. You don't think if Jesus gets 22 goals and Nketiah gets 12 and Saka gets 10 and Martinelli gets 10 and smith yeah, gets 7 Gabriel, and Vieira gets Assuming six. Gabriel Jesus would score 22 goals when missing like a month or two of the season, that's just disingenuous. Like that's He's the type of player that can happen. score three or four goals in a game though. Yeah, sure. And then he's out injured for a month and he misses five games in a row. Like that's... And it, and it may and it may depend on what month he's injured for. I'm just saying, he is a good pickup. But if he's like the sole goal scorer, front man, you're gonna have to have a lot of goal scoring in and around him uh, to supplement when he does inevitably get injured. And with that Europa League, uh, you know, schedule. Not to mention, if you guys progress in the Europa League, there's an extra round of knockout games in the Europa League than there is for Champions League We just League loaned teams. out Balogun, too, so there's no way we're not getting someone else. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, it's just it's very, it's clear to me that we're lining up to get one hey more man, player. I, I would have said there's like there's no way Arsenal you guys been could finish last these season. last couple of windows and, like, been pretty good generally about plugging holes that we've needed and about being yeah, but, ruthless but then you're about just, getting but then rid you're of players just that we ignoring, don't need. You're just ignoring January when you guys had the most obvious need for a goal scorer and then didn't do but, anything but, about it. Okay, but I would much rather Okay, but Champions I would League. much rather have not had top four this year than gotten Alexander Isak in January and just gotten Gabriel Jesus this summer. So you're saying like, yes, I could have had immediate gratification and gotten into the Champions League. If, if possibly if I'd gotten Alexander Isak or some of these other players that were being quoted as 60, 70 million that they wanted for these players. I mean, there, there's just no, like there aren't many players who we could have gotten in January that you could have gone and said, okay, that would have changed the difference, made a difference, Alex. Because you know how it is in January, teams fleece you and you yeah, can't saying, get that, you can't get easy. anyone's best player. You can get someone's second striker maybe for a lot of money, they're not going to give you their best player in the middle of a season if they're competing for for something, for top four, for a title, anything. So it's just like it's easier said than done to just be like, why don't you just go get a striker last January? But in the end, we got the best striker on the market this summer. Look at every single team. They're mad. Like they just West Ham just paid like 55 or 60 million for this Samaka guy. Uh, like that's insane. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you, you got the second best striker on the market. Well, yes, Holland. Yes, yeah. right. the second best. Exactly. Possibly, That's why we got the him. Third. Possibly the possibly third. Possibly the third. If Julian Alvarez is a monster, yeah. Darwin Nunez. Oh, yeah, Darwin as well. But I mean, those he, players were both over. You know, Holland. They they say they only paid sixty million or whatever for him, but he really cost like one hundred and eighty million with like the agent fees and. You know, no, but okay, come on. They, it was a, it was a set release clause. It was sixty million, but then they have to pay him his contract and bonuses and stuff. Yeah, so 
I, I just don't think you guys have done enough. If you go out and you sign like one more forward, then yeah, I'll hear the argument. But at the same time, the teams you're chasing, they got better and they were already significantly better. I'm not talking about just Chelsea. I'm talking about Tottenham as well. Like I, I have get better. I have I have time for anyone that's going to try and make the case that Tottenham will finish above Chelsea this season. I get it, and it's Antonio Conte. It begins and ends with him. But uh, the other important factor that we haven't brought up when it comes to picking your top four is that all of last season's top four have something that Arsenal do not have, and that's a world class manager like Arteta. I think he'll have a good career. We've said something along these lines before. But we've seen the naivety that he's sometimes shown, especially when it comes down to crunch fixtures at the end of the season. I think he's an up-and-coming world-class manager. I mean, he's he's like, uh, you know, it, it took Tuchel, what, you know, 15, he's, he's almost been in coaching 15, 20 years now to get to this point. S- same thing with Jurgen Klopp. Guardiola, I mean, he was handed the, the reins of the best team in the world and, you know, I would say he made. He's probably the only one that, like, from the beginning uh, of his career. What we're not going to do is, is compare Arteta to. I'm not. And I'm not. But I'm Pep, saying it like, takes it, it. It like, of course, the first few years, if you just get thrown on a job like that, you're going to be, especially like a shit show how Arsenal was. I mean, you're not giving him enough credit in the sense that, like, the t- the, the, the the players that were on this team even two years ago when when he came onto the team, I mean just chock full of shit and garbage and old and overpaid and all of that's been just hacked out. And now, like, Arsenal can breathe again. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Like, for the last few no, years, so, we haven't been so that, able to That's breathe. a very different question. That's a very different, like, proposition. If you ask me, has Arteta done a good job of shifting the dead weight and giving Arsenal... If he doesn't make top four when you're open this season, he's going to get fired. Like, that's yeah, the bottom you, line. You would hope so. I, 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 yeah. I would have fired him after last season, personally, but... I don't like that's that's I, just me, you know. But, Chelsea but there were so many things that happened, standards. and so many people that needed to be removed from the team, like Aubameyang, like yeah. Lacazette. So in that regard, he's done well to like transition Arsenal to a new team with a new way of playing. But this, so he deserves four, man, the chance. So he deserves the chance to like have you know a, a, a summer war chest like they've given him. Get the players he wants. And then see how he does. If he doesn't do well, he's gonna have a like a great young team to hand off to the next manager, and it's gonna be a great prospect for the next manager who comes. So at this that's point, what he's, I'm, that's do, what he's I done a pretty think. good job. I, I think he's the manager that transitions Arsenal, and then you guys have to go out and get someone that can bring you to the next level where you're, you know, back as a consistent Champions League qualifying team. Like Arteta is not going to be the guy that does that for you. But then again, he could finish outside of the top four and win the Europa League, and he would have gotten you into the Champions League. So if that's the ultimate goal and you get a trophy alongside of it, along like a, a European trophy at that, then that, that's that's a positive, I think. That would be a good season for Arsenal. But like, tell me, what what is it? I, I, I already kind of laid out what you're going to say, but why exactly do you think that Chelsea are going to fall not just below Tottenham, but also below Arsenal? Well, there's a few reasons, Alex. Um, first of all, the change in ownership, like you said, you know, uh, changing from Abramovich to Bowley's just it's going to take time. I don't think it's going to be a seamless transition where it's like billionaire what, for billionaire. And real, real quick, what what immediate impact right now does that have on the team? Marina's gone. Uh, all the summer no, no, plans. I'm saying, I'm, sh- saying, I'm saying Bowley coming in as a new owner. What like what impact does that have on the team right now? Because, Negative because, impact. Uh, Behind the scenes, all of the backroom staff is changing. All the people in the, all the people who are in charge of everything. I mean, so many people are leaving Chelsea. Chelsea is such a club in flux right now. Where, you know, you guys are getting new staff every day. Old staff that have been there for a long time are leaving. I mean, there's they're bringing in their people. Bowley's bringing in his people and wants to make it his club. And there's going to be mistakes made along the way. Um, I don't think that I'm not saying Bowley's going to be a bad, you know, owner or the. Boliera is not going to go well. I just think that the first year or two, Chelsea might suffer a little bit. Probably not two because Chelsea is a I, club. I don't, I don't see. I don't see the impact it has on the first team squad. Like the first team squad. Well, okay, because players on that team, a lot of them are going to, you know, maybe 
I mean, how often does Chelsea head a summer like this where a bunch of their players have been, you know, linked with moves away that a bunch of players that Chelsea's wanted haven't Chelsea hasn't gotten and they've gotten, you know, gazomped and taken from other, you know, player, a player like Gabriel Jesus. Like, how is that even happening that Arsenal are getting someone like Jesus when someone like Chelsea needed? You guys would have paid 70, 80 million for him. I mean, you could easily outbid Arsenal. So. No, it's not the that, Chelsea. That one, in the that transfer one, I market, I don't think, I don't you guys think that haven't been anywhere close to, to as be. ruthless as the old Chelsea was under Abramovich, and that you guys would just fucking throw insane amounts of cash and instantly get the player that you guys want. Real quick, though, because I don't want to just, you know, forget about that Chase, but Jesus point you, may, you just made. The only reason Gabriel Jesus is at Arsenal is because of Arteta. That's the only reason. Then that's a big positive then from Arteta, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's because he worked give with him credit, before. Get, he, give him credit he, where he's due. You're saying that he's, you know, not... I, I'm not giving... Players want to go play not, for him for a reason, credit, Alex. That's not credit for Arteta as Arsenal manager. That's credit to Arteta because he used to work in a job where he was working around players like Zinchenko and Jesus. Oh, also, like, you don't think that that, like, that resume, right? He was Pep Guardiola's assistant coach for three years. That's not like a good... That's not a good start to your career, right? Pep Guardiola just picked him as his assistant I, I coach. I and all I of these players that. that worked with him say that he improved them. Like players on Manchester City, all of them say that he improved them, that he was great, that he would do all this work with them after. And now players from Manchester City are coming to Arsenal. Like that should be like in 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 my mind, that's like that's a huge sign. Huge I think sign. I think you're playing I play, think you're playing more into that than like they're not gonna go to go necessary. play for Brendan Rogers, Alex. They're not gonna go play for uh I mean, even like even Antonio Conte, like I don't see Jose Mourinho, like they don't want to. Those aren't managers anymore. That like players are like, all right, I'm going to go die for that guy. They're, he's getting a 34 year old Ivan Perisic. He's getting Clement Lenglet on loan. You know, he's getting uh, he's getting someone like Jed Spence, who's a a young, inexperienced. Javier, I know. can easily make the case that Jesus and Zinchenko know that Arteta will let them do whatever the fuck they want while they get paid a lot of money to do it. So they just but went. They're not even getting that paid reason. that much. That's what's the beauty beauty getting, of it. We paid, haven't had to break our wage structure at all. To live in to live in London, they're getting paid a good amount. I'm not saying like they're getting paid more than they would have at City, but they're exactly. getting paid, they're getting paid a good less amount than they would have to at play City. more. And they exactly. have and lower expectations. More. It's like their 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 place in the squad isn't going to be as tough to nail down. Jesus will play more in a season at Arsenal than he than he played for like the last two years at Manchester City. So and that's, that's why people that's think he's going to win the golden boot because even though he only played, he was super inconsistent with his game time at City. I mean, he would score three goals and then be on the bench the next game. So you can't say with him that he ever really got like a consistent run, other than when Aguero was injured. But even when he was injured, there there were so many times where Pep would want to be play De Bruyne or Sterling or whoever the fuck Foden at center forward, and he wouldn't play Jesus, and Jesus would be on the bench. I mean that what that does to your confidence, you know, it's why he says that he wasn't playing with confidence and happiness in this last year, and he, and he just feels freedom again. I I, I think we're going to see a, a different Jesus, the, the the hungry Jesus that we saw at the beginning of the Premier League when he came. Those first couple of years, he was an absolute tear. He was there was a prime Aguero in front of him. Of course, he didn't get that. He still got a lot of game time and played alongside him a lot. I mean, this is this is a super high caliber player. I'm just I'm so excited to have him in the team. I think it's gonna between him Zinchenko, you know, I don't know how good Vieira is gonna be, but Saliba, I mean, Odegaard came from Real Madrid. You know, Bukayo Saka is you know one of the best players on England. The, the the level of the squad has just improved consistently, and this this season it improved massively over the summer. That's that's why I think we're going to make a jump in the league, and I think we could you know we could win Europa as well. So, and I think we'll see that on Friday. I think we're going to beat Palace like three one on Friday, or maybe even three nil. You like that? Boy, you really are excited. Um, let's bring this back to Chelsea real quick because you know we did get off track from that. The main thing that, I mean, I already made the point of, you know, the four clubs with world-class managers are, you know, they, they are shoe-ins to make the top four. But the other thing in terms of the the level and quality of depth that maybe not Tottenham, I don't even think Tottenham actually have, they've made strides to improve the depth of their squad this summer. But Chelsea, we still do have just like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to squad depth. 
And that that plays a factor, and it has played a factor for multiple years now where we've qualified for the Champions League. And it's a blessing and a curse because it's something that we have so many players that it's blocking a lot of the young players from getting into the squad. But those players, the senior players at Chelsea that have, you know, nailed down their positions and, you know, won the Champions League the season before last, at the very least, they're going to get top four. You know, you, you can you can dislike players like Jorginho or uh, Marcus Alonso because he's too slow. You were slow. saying that they were, they were supposed to be in a title race last year, Alex, and they barely yeah, and, finished top and, four. And we, no, that's not true. Javier, they barely finished. Javier, you were Javier, two points. On, man. Uh, okay. Javier, you're just, dude, this stuff, like we have these conversations every week and then you act like it never happened. Like I told you throughout the season, like, and the season before that, we can drop out of top four and I'm still confident that we will finish in top four because of the thing I just mentioned. Our senior players know when it's time to start playing and when you have to start winning games, we, we, we do it. But you Arsenal just lost Antonio Rudiger. Get, I think your biggest leader on the that's pitch. That's fine. That's fine. We, we lost just got, we, just got, we got an even better player in Kaladu Koulibaly. You like that? Kaladu Koulibaly will be even better than Antonio Rudiger. Antonio might Rudiger, take some time to adapt, Antonio Alex. Rudiger was world class for a season and a half. That's it. Before that, he was dog shit. I repeat, dog shit under Frank Lampard. He wasn't playing anymore under Frank Lampard. He didn't play under Sarri. Hardly played under Sarri. He had like a decent season his first year when he came in uh, under Antonio Conte, but overall the the whole team was a mess. Kaladu Koulibaly has been playing at a world-class level since like 2016 at the least. So the last six years, he's been a world-class defender. He's 31. That is not past he's it. He's never he's played outside still, of the Italian league. That does. I, I don't care. He has played Champions League and he doesn't look out of place when he's played in the Champions League. He's He's a world-class center back. Everyone agrees. Everyone knows it. And yet some people who just want to make up that like Rudiger leaving is the end of the world. We survived Eden Hazard leaving. If we can survive Eden Hazard leaving, who was our entire like attack, we can survive Antonio Rudiger leaving. We have enough leaders in the team to make up for it. We're still signing players. We're bringing in Mark Kukurea. That's pretty much confirmed today. Who's one of the, the best defenders, left-sided defenders in the league. We, we could, I, I, and actually, I'll put the prediction out there right now. Chelsea, we're going to start the season pretty poorly, I think. And people are going to freak out and act like the sky is falling. And you're going to act like you're right in the middle of September. And then it will turn it around and it will be fine. Like, I, I will sit here and I will take whatever abuse anyone hurls at me. Like, oh, Chelsea falling apart. And I'll just be like, yeah, give it to the end of the season. We'll be fine. Because when you support a team... You know the signs of a team actually falling apart. And yes, if we hadn't had as good of a summer as we ha- have had in the transfer market and as we are going to have in the next you know month, then I would be worried. But Todd I just Bowley want to point out, by the way, I predicted Arsenal finished sixth last season. Uh, and no, you said pre- you said don't be surprised if we're uh, we're gonna we finish in top four. If we sniffing for top four at the end, and we were. We were sniffing till the end, so I was right with that prediction. But I said we would finish six. This time, I am like confident that we are finishing in the top four, and it, it, we could finish up to third. Like, uh, I like I don't. I, your security of your team making top four also depends on Manchester United, another team who we haven't talked about at all. But we don't know how good they're going to be under Ten Hag this year. Because if they're so suddenly be, good again good, and taking points off both of us, then we're not going to be like just cruising into top four. Yeah, but Javier, they took points off of us, like or they took points of che- off Chelsea last season and didn't matter. You know, <laughs> like we haven't been good against Manchester United for years, so that that, that doesn't really. Do you think me. there's any chance that they're uh, they've had a okay transfer window? You know, they, no, they signed uh, Lissandro they Martinez. Have, they, they have not had. No, they've had a bad transfer window. How, how can you say? I mean, Erickson's a good signing. Okay Erickson's one. a good signing. Martinez yeah, is a that, good signing. You know they're going to make another signing or two. It's just it's taking. You said you said it yourself. Um, well, I guess people didn't. I, I I don't know if that was on one of our transfer pods, but you were like, 
you know, Chelsea are still going to make a few more signings because they you thought that the dominoes needed to fall. It's probably the same for United. They they yeah, need but a couple the more difference, dominoes to fall. The difference between Chelsea and United, I mean, there are a million, but the main one in this context United's is in that crisis mode and they can't people get actually want to come to Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> no, like we're about we may sign Frankie De Jong, and he's been linked with United. Oh, that would for, be a big blow for United at that. If that happened, yeah. that'd be incredible for Chelsea. Players don't want to go there. Like that was one of Ten Hag's players at Ajax, and he. Is like, eh, no thanks. I'll go to Chelsea instead, or go anywhere. Play it. Stay at Barca. Never mind. He'd rather stay at Barca than go to Manchester United. So, uh, it's it's a, it's a bigger project to get Manchester United back to where they need to be. Chelsea, we lost like a couple of impact defenders. We'll probably take like a month or something to find our feet, integrate the new players. But then once we get once oh we my get clicking God. Chelsea again, lost we're gonna be, Danny we're gonna be Drinkwater. You guys are yeah, done. Huge You're done. loss. You're done. The other, I mean, Romelu Lukaku. I know that you're just going to say, "Oh, he was a negative last year, Javier." No, he wasn't. He still scored some goals for you guys. He was still, you know, part of the, the your beginning of the season run that you had. And you thought he was going to be. Everyone thought he was going to be a good player to start. So, Javier, when did when did Chelsea play their best football last season? Like, give me, like, a time period that you think we played our best. Probably the beginning of the season. No. The, the two periods that we played our best football were when Lukaku got injured and we started playing Kai Havertz up top again. Uh, then Lukaku came back. Everyone, Everything went to shit when Chilwell and James got injured for the Christmas period. And then Lukaku had that seven-touch performance against Crystal Palace in early February and barely played after that. And we started playing well again once Havertz went back into center forward. Kai Havertz is the X factor of Chelsea's season. He's playing center forward with Raheem Sterling on the left, Mason Mount on the right, Kovacic and Kante behind him in midfield, Shilwell and James on the wings. And then, you know, any combination of excellent defensive options behind that in the back three. I expect this team to actually close the gap on Liverpool and Manchester City. I'm not saying challenge for the title. I expect Chelsea to close that gap from 20 points or whatever it was last season to more like 10. So I don't, I don't like maybe we fall like behind Tottenham if Tottenham have an absolutely insane season, which could happen with Conte. But outside of that, I, I don't see us dropping out of third. We're the third best team in the country for sure, like without a doubt. And, and the other thing we've mentioned a little bit in the transfer signing pods is that the five substitutes rule, that benefits teams that have strength and depth, which we are one of them. I think we have as good of depth all over the, the field as City and, and Liverpool. And we've shown that. We can, we, we've gone deep in multiple different competitions for multiple seasons now. So... Yeah, I'm just that's, I'm, that's I'm only not, going, uh, that's only going to improve us that five I also, substitutes. I also role. just think that the the chaos behind the scenes always affects the what happens on the pitch, and I, yeah, I just, you want to talk I about I chaos? See, but chaos the, was I just the second half summer. of last season, Javier, when the club was sanctioned, wasn't allowed to do business anymore. That was chaos, and we went through that without relatively any scars, other than losing our owner. Everything now is settled, focused. We've got the new owner. We've got the new players. We've got the injection of cash from the new See, owner. But like, I just I don't like your signings. I mean, we've I, got I, the Kulibaly's world. is a yeah. good signing, but I don't like Raheem Sterling. I don't think that you know going for play, the players that Chelsea's. I mean, Kukurea would be a great signing. Frankie De Jong would be a great signing, but you haven't actually gotten these players yet. You know, Kukurea apparently the. Brighton came out saying later today, being like, "Hey, that we haven't actually sold him to anybody." That, that's only because they want to announce it at the same time with the Levi Colwell deal, because they want to make sure that Chelsea don't buy Kukurea and then just say, "Actually, Colwell's not for sale." So that makes a lot of sense. And Fabrizio Romano has stood by the the "Here We Go" tweet that he put out saying that Kukurea is going to Chelsea. He stood by it. He says it's going to happen. I trust it's going to happen. But that's enough about uh, Chelsea and Arsenal. It's becoming increasingly obvious to me that we're going to have to do a uh, a, a separate <laughs> pod about uh, City and Liverpool in, in a second here. But let's talk about Tottenham for a second. I mean, but like, well, okay, City and Liverpool. No, no, no. no. I'm, okay. There's no time. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is just top four. 
Yeah, I guess this is the top four preview pod where we know Liverpool and City are uh, finishing top four. We'll talk about them. Maybe we'll do an IG Live or or something to talk about them instead. But this is the top four preview pod, I guess. This is what it's turned into because a Chelsea and an Arsenal fan disagree about how our clubs are going to fare this season. But as Chelsea and Arsenal fans, how scared are you of what Antonio Conte can do with this Spurs team this season? Well... I told you, I think he's going to finish above most likely Arsenal and Chelsea and, and probably in that third place. Having, you know, the the two, arguably two of the be- three best goal scorers, you know, we'll see how Holland does. But right now, Son, Kane, and, and Salah are the three best, most consistent goal scorers in, in the country right now. And Son's just been improving season by season. Harry Kane's numbers haven't gone down. And he was you know, injured for part of last season and he had that, you know, bad run of form when he came into the team and he was trying to go to City and everything. But as soon as he got back into the team and bought into Conte, I mean, you could see the guy was back to his best again. So the signings that Tottenham have made, you know, they, they've they've made a lot of signings. They've got some depth now. They've got youth. they got experience. I just see that a lot of pieces Antonio Conte has that he needs to, to get, you know, a high level of performance from this team and you know, maybe go to the Champions League quarterfinals, you know, uh, go deep or possibly win something like an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup and really push hard in the league. I think it's possible that if Antonio Conte pushes this team too hard, that they do kind of implode <laughs> at some point. That's what um, I'm thinking, actually. I could think that something like that could happen. Um, that's the only thing that's keeping me from thinking, you know, oh, they're going to be unstoppable this season is that. I know there's going to be periods where they win five or six games in a row and they're scoring three or four goals and we're all going to be thinking it's the end of the world, Tottenham's coming. But then there's going to be like a three-game where they go loss, draw a loss, and they you know, have a couple of injuries and something happens. And it, I think that's kind of inevitable with Tottenham, but we'll see if Antonio Conte can, can break the curse with that. It's been similar with Arsenal for the last few years. You know, Whenever we've looked like we might win Europa or make top four, we've choked, so... Let's see if Antonio Conte can actually break the curse and, and like kind of establish Tottenham into that uh, not consistent top four, because I think if he leaves, they're not going to be back, still like a top four team anymore. But if he stays for a couple of years and, and builds on the team, then, yeah, he could build something there. We'll see. I don't I don't know what what type of level he could take this team. You know, it's kind of scary to, to think about. I'm fully convinced that this midseason World Cup that's going to be happening in late November, early December, that will be the undoing of Antonio Conte's time at Tottenham. I'm fully convinced they're going to start the season really well. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually beat us. They play us at Stanford Bridge in the second game of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they win that. They turn heads and announce themselves. They all get excited about, you know, we're now the best team in London. Uh, Conte is going to lead us to great things. I wouldn't be surprised if they were even still in the title discussion when the league breaks up for that World Cup. But that will ruin their momentum. Frankly, wouldn't be like I think fans of uh, countries like England and I mean Koreans probably as well. They're going to be upset at how just absolutely exhausted the the Tottenham players for those countries. How exhausted those players look because. For Antonio Conte, it, it, we, everyone knows about the the, the the absolutely horrific training sessions that he puts his players through. It happened at Chelsea in the second season under Conte. It, 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 there's nothing you can really do. Like he, The body can only take so much. And Antonio Conte, as a manager, he does not rotate. He does not trust his fringe players enough to keep the players that he deems is like worthy of starting every week fresh enough to maintain that kind of challenge throughout a season, especially a season with a World Cup in the middle of it, that all these players are going to want to go and play at and give their all at and, you know, maybe a few injuries at the World Cup here and there. So the second half of the season is where I think they fall off and I think they get sucked into a top four battle. And if the if the injuries aren't too bad, I'll think they'll be I think they'll be able to push away any sort of you know, like threat to their top four status and still finish in the top four. But if there's a few more injuries than that, then who knows? Maybe they slip out and Arsenal are the ones who sneak in and get fourth. Uh, but I, I, I would just warn people a little bit. Don't get too 
don't get ahead of yourselves with Tottenham. You know, Antonio Conte is a huge influence, but Tottenham are still Tottenham. And yeah, it, it's. It, I, I'm 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 saying this, this is the just, best Tottenham have ever been though in the Premier in League, the Premier so. League. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I mean, they've got their new stadium built. They've got their fans, you know, sold out every game now. It's it they they got a pretty good atmosphere there. But I, I still worry about them. Everything's kind of set up for them to to hit new heights. If they had gone out and gotten like an actual, you know, every week starter at center back, someone other than Clement Longley, th- then I would think they're going to improve their defensive performances and be more consistent in that regard. But they did get Basuma. They did. He will. He will have an impact. But you know, and center you were back talking about how big mistakes. losing Basuma was going to be for Brighton's defense, and how they wouldn't be nearly as good defensively without. Right. Basuma, yeah. No. So, so I, I agree that's with you. That will improve Tottenham defensively. That will right? improve. That will improve them defensively. But you know, center backs still have to defend. You know, you can bypass midfields. I, I don't know if you've realized, but now they have the possibility of doing a front three, of th- a little bit of versatility on Tottenham's front three now, where they can play Richarlison at striker. Son on the left and Kuliszewski on the right and have a super hardworking, like pressing front three and not have to have Harry Kane as just like a target man up there. If Harry Kane gets injured or if they need to rest him, you know, he's got options where he can change to a more versatile front three, something that Tottenham just never really had, like four really good players that they could move in and out of, That's those, not true. of those front three don't, spots. Don't like you Spurwine, remember the years? Lucas. No. Come on, man. Don't you remember the years they had like Peter oh, Crouch? Bale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Crouch, Keane, Pavlyuchenko, Defoe were the Berbatov. four strikers they had. And Berbatov, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right. They, right. They've had that before. And again, their they've defense had, hasn't had, been yeah, good Yeah, they've enough. had dope, dope attacking players you know, for most of their uh, existence. But no, I'm just saying this is, the, you know, they, they might have four world-class starters you know, players players who could play on on other top top four teams. So, if they have that level of of front line and they can get the the like you said the defensive performances behind it, this team's got definitely higher limits and ceilings than we've seen before. Do we want to hit on United just a little bit more before we go? Uh, I, I personally, I I don't see a scenario where they finish above any of those other five teams. You know, I'll give you that, Javier. They're not finishing yeah, I, above I, you guys. I feel like United are going to be the, the team that, you know, they're going to have West Ham breathing down their neck, Villa, Newcastle. I don't. I think there's a possibility United don't even finish sixth. So I think it all depends on how what happens with this Ronaldo situation. If he plays this next season, I just I can't see the team rallying around him and, you know, making a push for top four and... I do think Donny Van de Beek is going to benefit a lot from someone like Christian Eriksen coming into the team because Eriksen's ball retention skills, like you could see on Brentford last year, you know, like you said, he elevates players around him because of how good he is on the ball. And I think he could have a similar, not, not as big of an effect as he did on Brentford, but a similar effect on United where, you know, he's a free transfer, but this guy's still, you know, a, a borderline world-class midfielder on his day. And, he can link up with someone, someone like Donny Van de Beek, and they can have a couple of press-resistant midfielders, and kind of give Bruno the the freedom to to attack and 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 give players like Martial and Rashford, you know, actual chances to to score goals. And it, not everything is going to have to go through Ronaldo. I think if Ronaldo's playing and consistently starting in this team, and everything has to go through Ronaldo again, because that's just the way that Ronaldo, when Ronaldo's in your team, you have to play through him, right? So you don't have to play through him; you have to play to him. Exactly, to, to him. You have to cross the ball to, to him. You have to get everything chances at Ronaldo. Exa- every, exactly. And that takes chances away from Bruno, Rashford, Martial, all those other players. And I think if they are able to keep Ronaldo mostly away from the team, they could have a, they could have a good season. I think we'll see a different United. It, it doesn't look like Ronaldo's leaving. I, I just don't see where the landing spot is for him. Then like this is going to be another wasted season for Manchester United. Maybe not wasted because you'll they'll be able to weed out the players that they need for the future or not with Ten Hag, but it's going to be a season of pain and good results, bad result, good result, bad result, yeah. good result, bad result. I think I think they'll improve all around. I don't know how necessarily if they'll improve in their league position, but in, in terms of the way they play, I think they're going to improve. But the leaks at the back are still going to be there. The the defense is still going to be shambolic. 
even if the, if someone like the Sanger Martinez starts playing starts playing at center back, which I don't think he will. I think he's going to be the the sitting midfielder in that team. He's not going to be a center back like some people claim he is. So that leaves you still with uh, Varane, good center back, but you know injury prone. Uh, Lindelof and Maguire as the center back options, and that's going to leak goals, and that will keep them you know far away from any sort of top four push. I think. So they're going to need to improve uh, on the ball going forward because they're going to need to score even more and uh, be more ruthless with their possession. So, yeah, it's very much a transitional season for Manchester United. It'll be probably a confusing one for them because their fans, I don't think, are that used to, you know, not spending a ton of money and expecting to improve drastically once they spend all that money. But frankly, I think they need it. They need a bit of a of a transition where they can properly evaluate which players are, you know, appropriate to keep and, and help move the club forward and which ones they're going to have to get rid of. You would think they did that last season, but they still got a lot of dead weight on there. So yeah, there's just so many think. overpaid players that they don't want to leave. Well, I, this sounds bad because I'm bringing it back to Chelsea, but that's where I actually really value getting rid of someone like Lukaku very early in the window. Yes. We missed out on certain players because of it, but it was absolutely pivotal that we get Lukaku's wages and, you know, his overall like deterrent to, uh, he was a deterrent to the team. So getting him away from the the team as quickly as possible, uh, you know, was absolutely paramount. And if they, uh, United were going to do the same thing with Cristiano Ronaldo, they needed to do it right after last season ended and just get it settled so they they can move forward into a new era. But they haven't, and now it's going to be it's going to you know bleed into this season and be a cloud hanging over the club and all of their players throughout the season. So let, let's finish things there because you know obviously Manchester City and Liverpool are going to be the title chasers. Javier and I will talk about how we'll yeah, we'll do another pod, uh, maybe an Instagram yeah. live about them. But we, yeah. Uh, they, you know, we don't want to do them dis- disservice and not, you know. This top four uh, race is just too yeah. juicy. T- there's too, too, ma- too much to talk about for top four. Javier, thanks for jumping on this with me. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast socials, at GhostGoalPod. If you haven't joined yet and want to join in on our Fantasy League, you can go to uh, fantasy.premierleague.com and create your team. Uh, do it before, I want to say 2 p.m. on Friday is when the uh, lineups get set, an hour before the Arsenal-Crystal Palace game kicks off. Uh, but you can join the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League by searching that on the Fantasy Premier League website. Or you can just follow us on Twitter or just go to our Twitter and go to the pinned tweet where there's a link that you can click on and it will automatically uh, join you to our league. So please go ahead and do so if you're interested in fantasy. If you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find the pod, and uh, we appreciate anything you guys can do to help us grow this thing. It's great to be able to say this again, Javier. Enjoy the games this weekend, guys. Enjoy the Premier League football back. Enjoy it, and until next time, see you.